Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at Steve rwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday evening podcast. We're glad that you're here. Uh, just uh, a word that uh, we're looking at the possibility of in the near future having a Wednesday night service at our church. Wouldn't that be great? We're hoping that we're going to be able to have a full series of, of uh, services on Sundays, have Sunday morning Bible study, have Sunday morning worship, Sunday evening Bible study or worship, and uh, then our Wednesday evening Bible study. And uh, if we do that, then we probably won't be having the podcast on Wednesday evening. But anyway, we're glad that you're joining us today on our podcast, and uh, we're continuing our study through the book of 1 Corinthians. And we've gotten all the way to the 13th chapter. Now, if you're familiar with the book of 1 Corinthians, you know that the 13th chapter is about love. And uh, we're going to be looking at that today. Hopefully that'll uh, be something that will be of interest to you. And uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 today in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. So if you would turn with me in your scriptures to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak human or angelic languages, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Our Father, we thank you today for the privilege of being able to speak to the people tonight on this podcast. I pray that you'd help us, that we might be able to understand things from your word that would be a benefit to us, and that we would be able to profit, and we'd be able to use these things in our lives. And I pray your blessings on this podcast, your blessings upon our church. And again, Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to be together in this way. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to give you a quote right now from a noted psychiatrist, Dr. Carl Menninger. And he says, Love is the message at medicine for the sickness of the world. Love is the medicine for the sickness of the world. He summarizes his therapeutic approach this way. Love cures. It cures those who give it, and it cures those who receive it. Love truly is a good medicine. It's been said that the three most powerful words in the English language is I love you. When I 
returned to my office one day when I was pastoring, I noticed that I had a voicemail. The message came from a man in another state, a friend of mine that I had known years before. He called to tell me about some of the difficulties in his own life and how he was coping. Along the way, he mentioned that he had poured out his heart to his mentor and had told him the whole ugly story of what he had done. When he was finished, his mentor simply replied, I want you to know that I love you. Then the man said, Pastor Steve, I can't tell you what it meant to him, to me, to listen to my story and then to say I love you. Such is the power of love. I know that our society sometimes confuses love with such things as sex, money, or gifts. And many people don't understand love and are even afraid of it because they've never seen it done well or been hurt by love. But even with all our counterfeits and even with all the misunderstandings and even in spite of the abuses committed in the name of love, it is still true what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And not just the word love, we need the real thing. We need to see love. We need to hear it. We need to feel it. We need to experience it in our own daily lives. And we need to know how, it pass it, how to pass it along to other people. In order to help us do that, we're continuing our series of messages in the book of 1 Corinthians, and this time with the chapter 13. Many of you know these verses by heart. This is, after all, one of the most famous, most beloved, most beautiful chapters in the whole Bible. It is often read at weddings and set to music. And yet I wonder if we have really pondered its deep meaning. Have we heard it so often that we no longer think about what the words mean? Perhaps it will do us some good tonight to revisit this famous passage Here's a simple outline of 1 Corinthians 13. We're only going to be looking at the first three verses tonight, and we'll look at the other verses in the future, but the first three verses we could say is the preeminence of love. And then verses 4 through 7 is the practice of love. And then verses 8 through 13 is the permanence of love. Uh, we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come, but before we jump into our text, let's talk about love for just a moment. What is it? Some have said that it's a feeling. Well, yeah, I suppose that love is a feeling that one has for another individual or for something. Somebody described it as a shiver in the liver. Well, I don't know about that. Others have said that it's an emotional attachment. And that's true too, isn't it? There are lots of different ways to use the word love. Like the man who declared, 
I love my wife. I love my baby. I love my biscuits dipped in gravy. <laughs> what kind of love is the Apostle Paul talking about here in 1 Corinthians 13? Well, there are actually four different Greek words that can be translated love. We only have one word in English. These four Greek words are areos, which is sexual word, uh, love. This word is not used in the New Testament, but uh, that's the meaning of that word. And then storage, which is friendly affection. This word is used in the New Testament for warm affection that should exist between believers in Christ. Our fellowship with one another. That's how that's described. And then phileos, family love usually is how this is used. When joined with the word adolphos, which means brother in uh, Greek, it means brotherly love which is how the city of Philadelphia got its name. It's used in the New Testament for our love for God and our love for others. And then agape. This means a self-sacrificing love. The word was rarely used before the New Testament period. And uniquely describes God's love for us. Agape love is love that reaches out to another person with no strings attached. It is love that sacrifices itself on behalf of the one that's, who is loved with no thought of what might be received in return. This is the word the Apostle Paul is using here in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love that starts with God, comes down to us, and then, then moves out from us to other people. You remember in John chapter 21 when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Well, you remember Jesus was using the word agape. And Peter said, Lord, you know I have filial love for you. That friendship, that family love for you. Not bad, but it's just not the sacrificial love that Jesus was asking about. One of our problems with 1 Corinthians 13 is that we have heard it so often that it's lost its power to move us. We're not surprised by it. We're not quickened by it. In verses 1 through 3, the message by Eugene Peterson gives the translation like this. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, we talked about angels last Sunday, you remember, but don't know love, I'm nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's Word with power, revealing all of its mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but if I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. 
That's the message translation of this passage. The point is one simple sentence. Whatever I do, whatever I say, it's all useless without love. There are three verses that we read here. And each one of them explain a different facet of this truth. As we think about love, let us think about other ideas about love. Love can be simply stated as what we do with another individual, how we act and how we interact with the people around us. What would you expect to pay for a scoop of gourmet ice cream? Well, I don't know about you, but Wanda and I are anxious to get back to the United States where we can get a, a good scoop of ice cream. But how about $816 for a scoop? The scoop of cafe in Dubai offers the black diamond ice cream flavor with Madagascar vanilla, Iranian saffron, black Italian truffles, and edible 23 karat gold sprinkles. I've never heard of such a thing, have you? <laughs> but this treat comes with a bowl and a spoon that the customer takes home with it. It's supposed to be the most expensive scoop of ice cream in the world, and I would suppose it is. The most, the best, the highest. We find superlatives that describe things that we're interested in. When Paul wrote that he would describe the most excellent way, did you notice that? Our ears might pick up. This chapter is a poem written to praise an abstract idea or quality. Paul uses poetic techniques such as hyperboles and metaphors to make his point more vivid. He says, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and clanging symbol. First, he describes the worth of love. The value is incalculable to the point where anything else lacking love is worthless or empty. He uses examples that we might think of as spiritual impossibilities. And his conclusion that these things are things that we need to have in our lives, the agape love. 
He defines or explains that love in verses 4 through 7. The Greek word agape, meaning love, selfless, self sacrificing, full of goodwill and brotherly affection, it prioritizes the well being of others. This list should take our breath away. Who among us can claim to live such a life as this? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit could we do so. And finally, in this chapter, he extols how and why love does what it does in eight, verses 8 through 12. It never fails. It leads us to maturity and completeness. The difference between love and the spiritual gifts that he talked about in chapter 12 is like the difference between a blurry mirror. You see, the Corinthians were well known for its what they considered high-quality bronze mirrors in that day, but even those were blurry. They didn't have the fine mirrors that we have today. And he says it's like the difference in looking in a mirror and then seeing face-to-face. It's the difference between childhood and adulthood. This is why love is the greatest. We'll look at some of these things in greater detail in other lessons. Love is greater than personal sacrifice, he tells us in verse 3. He says, if I donate all of my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Now the verse here poses a problem. Because it asks us to ponder an activity that we automatically consider noble, giving to the poor. It's a good thing, isn't it? Or even dying for your faith, the ultimate sacrifice that an individual could make. But as good as these things are, without love, they do no good. So let's ask another question. Would you like to be rich enough to be generous? As we enter the final days of 2020, we're all going to receive numerous requests for funds and from worthy causes and institutions. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could give each one of these everything they needed that they might be able to function and have their ministries as they, they want to. Suppose you could wipe out homelessness in the world. What if you could end poverty? What if you could guarantee that every person on earth would have enough to eat and no one would ever go hungry? Would that not be a wonderful thing to do? God says it's not enough. If you do it without love, you gain nothing. The truth is, we may give to worthy causes for unworthy reasons. We may give out of guilt or because we want to follow the crowd or in order to boast, as the Apostle Paul says here. Do we understand that many of these wonderful men and women are going to dangerous parts of the world to do their ministry 
Some of them will face uncertainty, possibly arrest, even death. Has it hit us that we're spending our money on missionaries to live in places that most of us would not care to visit? Some of them may end up paying the ultimate sacrifice. It's not good enough, God is saying, without love to do the things that we do. Whatever it is, wherever we go, without love, even sacrificing ourselves for Christ, preaching to individuals in faraway countries, these things are not enough on their own. Love is greater than than personal sacrifice. Without love, I say nothing, I am nothing, I gain nothing. As we think about love tonight in this chapter on love that's dealing with what God wants and what God sees and what God would expect from us, let us read carefully the words of this chapter again. And we'll look at some more of these verses in a coming lesson. But let's think about how our love is seen by others. Do they see Christ in us? Are we exemplifying His sacrifice? Father, I pray tonight that You would help each one of us to consider our lives, to consider our love, and that we might understand how You want to use us to reach out to others and show them the greatest love. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who loved us and died for us. Amen. Please stay tuned for a short weekly editorial with Face to Face with Dr. Fred. Good evening. Matthew 17, 8 says this, And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. As most of you probably know, my twin brother Frank and I played with the Dodgers. This year, the Dodgers won the World Series. And I was surprised how many people didn't even know the World Series was going on. It was amazing. At any rate, they won the World Series. We talked about each game on the phone, my brother and I do. On the fourth game of the World Series, they, we found the Dodgers were ahead until the ninth inning, which is the last inning of the game, of course. With the Dodgers ahead, it looked like a Dodger win, as the last inning would seem to be three up, three down, game over, Dodgers win seven to six. But, as Yogi Bear, a catcher for the New York Yankees, had said years ago, it ain't over until it's over. And so it was to be. 
Batting in the last of the ninth inning, Tampa Bay had a man on third base and a man on second. The next batter hit a ball to the outfield on the ground. Now that scored the man on third, and that tied the score at 7-7. Seven to seven. But the man on second rounded third base on his way to the home plate. It would, it would be a close play at home plate. Should the runner be tagged out by the catcher, the game would go into extra innings. If, on the other hand, if that runner would touch home plate before the catcher could tag him with a ball, Tampa Bay would win the game, 8-7. to seven. As a runner was rounding third base, going to home plate, and with the ball zooming in from the outfield, the Tampa Bay runner surprisingly stumbled and fell before he reached home plate. He was a sure out. The ball came in from the outfield to the catcher. However, the catcher took a split-second look at the stumbling Tampa Bay runner. Taking that split-second look took his eye off the ball. The ball hit his glove, but because he had his, his eyes off the ball, Tampa Bay runner, all at once, the ball went away from the catcher, and it bounded away. And Tampa Bay won that game 8-7. to seven. A baseball fundamental was broken, which is keep your eye always on the ball. Tampa Bay wins. Tampa Bay wins. Frank and I not only talked about the broken fundamental rule of baseball, but also the fundamental spiritual rule of taking our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then anything can happen, and that anything is never good for anyone whatsoever. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Matthew 17, 8. A great song I learned in 1956 while a student at Oklahoma Baptist University. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And it kind of goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. This concludes HBC's weekly Bible study. Please join us every Wednesday for Bible study at 7 p.m. Thank you and God bless.